This is Teachers Talk Radio. And you are Hello everybody and welcome to The Late Late Show where I'm joined tonight by James Dean, an award-winning online educator. And tonight James and I will be exploring how effective online education is for both student and teacher. We will also be discussing the positive impact online learning has had since COVID and the rise of online tutoring as a result. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or tune in the conversation, download the Podbean Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel's new student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a show cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFLGCSE24. Hello everybody and welcome to The Late Late Show with myself, Richie, in what is my third show for Teachers Talk Radio. If you didn't catch my previous episode with Lloyd Spridgen last week, please do go back and re-listen to the conversation where we explored what life was like as a primary school ITT and ECT. This week, however, I'm pleased to say I'm joined by James Dean, a person I know well after spending the past few years podcasting with him covering Liverpool Football Club. James has been in online education for 16 years and a few months ago was listed on HR Most Influential Thinkers for his approach to learning and development as well as online learning. James has been successful in the past in how to ensure students learn effectively and how to approach assessments and exams. James, thank you so much for joining me tonight in what is for many the first full week for students and teachers to be back in school after the six weeks holiday. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm. Uh, it, it's it's a strange thing. Um, everyone going back to school. It's almost like everyone's holidays are over and everyone starts to get back to business. So even if you're not a school, you know, you, you don't have kids going to school and stuff like that. It just feels like it's sort of the run into Christmas has started almost. Yeah, and uh, it's so typical, isn't it, that we're expecting this amazing heat wave and everybody's going back to school. It's certainly uh, it's certainly typical of the times at the moment. Um, let's start in and then, James. What inspired you to get into online education and, and you know, give us a bit of background about yourself? Uh, well, it was more by fluke, to be honest, Richie. Um, I, I wasn't a good student. I, I, came, I came away with just GCSEs. Um, I was told to join the army because I was dyslexic and, and things weren't going well. And I ended up in recruitment um, for accountants for some reason. And then this CI, uh, the chartered accountancy bodies, they recruited me to get involved in their brand new online education system that they were trying to launch. Um, something which we called Live Online, online learning as, as we know it now. 
And it kind of just happened that we created this product that was global. So now most people probably don't know, but the the UK accountants qualifications are the most global accountants qualifications. Um, ACCA is in pretty much every country in the world and is, and is the gold standard for accountants. And we built this online system and it, and it launched. And then I, I've just been stuck in online education ever since because I've seen what it can actually do to change people's lives. And I was in this strange position where I didn't get on well with education. And I ended up working for a company who I suddenly saw what education was. I saw like the source code and it really connected with me. I ended up doing an MBA myself. So I've gone from GCSE straight to MBA as a crazy education story. Did that online learning and just fell in love with the whole premise of online education and how it can fit within people's lives. Before we um, before we delve any further, actually, I wanted to pick up something that you said um, about having dyslexia. Do you think that you said that you left school with only GCSEs, and that's obviously no mean feat? But do you think perhaps that had a negative, you know, impact on your education at all? It did. It definitely did, um, and it was more. I mean, I'm slightly older than you, Richie, as you know, um, and I think when I was there, it was more a hassle. They hadn't worked out, you know, the changes of paper colours, the audio side of things, the different ways that you can deal with dyslexia, understanding what your triggers and words and connections are in terms of writing. Instead, it was all pressurised, getting your spelling and writing correct, because otherwise you're going to lose 10% of your mark. And if you can't get 10% of your mark, what's the point in going for A to C's? And that was kind of the situation we had. So when you've got something like dyslexia, you feel like you've lost before you've even started when I was at school because they were like, well, you, you're 10% behind everyone else. And that's yeah, how I mean, it was communicated. And, and so, yeah, it did have a negative impact because you're like, well, I want to succeed, but I'm being told that I'm worse than everyone. So yeah. you, you kind of walk away from it a bit. And, you know, I've, I've known you now for, for a number of years. You're a very intelligent uh, gentleman. And, you know, I, just just now have found out that you have dyslexia because obviously I wouldn't know that uh, beforehand at all. So um, it, it's interesting to talk about that and maybe we could bring that into the online education as well. You know, students who do suffer with dyslexia, like yourself, had online learning been, you know, an option for, for you growing up, maybe, you know, as you say, you only left with GCSEs, but who knows, you know, what, what, what could have happened there and what support could have been given to you? Like you think about it now, just writing on a computer and how people can write on a computer and use spell check and stuff like that. Um, the the tools that are available to just ensure that people are on top of things, you know, and neurodiverse, I mean, it, it tends to come with friends and I've never been diagnosed with anything else. I've never saw anything else, but autism, ADHD, um, dyslexia, dyspraxia, they're all part of the same group and there's connections to all of them when you start to go down the neurodiverse path. So if you think about dyslexia was the one that would get diagnosed when I was at school, but now people are getting diagnosed with ADHD and you think about attention deficit and hyper focus and all the different elements that come with it and how much opportunity we could have taken advantage of using online education to, to connect to those types of learning preferences, because it's not learning styles, it's just preferences. Um, um, so many more things could have been achieved and I think we're making good progress but I think the underfunding of the education system which we won't get into because we'll lose an entire evening to it probably stops 
GCSE and A-level type education really accelerating down the road of, let's say, what private education can when you've got things like ADHD and supporting learners with reasonable adjustment? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's education has come so far in even like our short lifespan. So it's something that I will delve into a little bit uh, later if that's you've been successful in being listed as one of the most influential thinkers for your approach to learning and development could you tell us how you got nominated for this award and why yes so i did uh what i did is i got rid of teachers (laughs) that sounds really bad on teachers radio um but i and the reason i did is this is a perfect what i teach is a professional qualification it's a professional qualification in hr so what I started to do is I started to bring specialists in in specialist areas. So we've got, for example, um, one of the thought leaders when it comes to fertility treatment at work and trying to change policy. Well, she was teaching people about how that works. So as opposed to it just being a teacher who goes through a slide deck and teaches the, the standard basic things, HR people want to learn from people that are actually trying to make positive change and influence and lobby. So we we got rid of tutors. We built an online system that gave you the academic information and you could seek out the academic information, but we connected it then to similar to what we're doing now. We're talking about online education. I know a lot about online education and we created that to connect to the syllabus and the learning outcomes so that people were able to get thought leader information from really clever people who are way smarter than me on, on stuff like this, but then we're able to connect it to a syllabus and then was able to connect it to their day-to-day. So instead of it being, and, and this is what happens in, in sometimes an online education, just one person repeating the same slide deck on repeat, we created an entire series of um, online podcasts, lectures, short clips that just guided people through the major issues companies are having, work from cost of living, specialists when it comes to reward, non-financial reward, how you build up confidence and it it really had a positive impact you know we get around about 200 people on every um episode that we do and we make it free for everyone because we don't want necessarily knowledge to be chargeable knowledge is free how i get people through a qualification that's what i charge for but knowledge should be free knowledge should be shared because you can find it anywhere it's just about how you make it available and that's kind of what got the award because it was a different approach um and i it's really proud of the achievement but most of the knowledge on that's not mine it's from people way smarter than me that have done way cooler things than i have but isn't it a better way to learn listening to people that you think do you know what you inspire me yeah absolutely so essentially what you've managed to do is to create a resource that is accessible for everybody and they can listen to it at their convenience and then study perhaps at their convenience as well Exactly that. And at, and at specific points in time, when it connects to a specific learning outcome and a specific assessment criteria, it's called in CIPD, um, they can have access to that thought leader. So not mm. only can they get it live, but when it makes sense, they also get it again, cut into shorter form content and stuff like that. So it, it was that element of things being current and up to date because a syllabus die, you know, a syllabus is out of date the day after it's published and it doesn't change for another 10 years. So how do you make I mean, it what, current when you speak to people doing stuff? And something that I did as head of English was um, 
all of the resources and all of the schemes of learning uh, and all of the really good links that I found throughout my teaching career was actually I published this online on, on a different website that students had a link code to and they could just access it in their free so if we were doing an inspector calls my year 10 slash year 11 students if they needed some extra help with Mr Berlin well actually they'll go to our folder of Mr Burling on there the resources that I've had anyway and that the other teachers have had but they can learn in their own time as well as being obviously in the classroom there isn't anything better than quality first teaching when it comes to students but actually to have the resource there that that either like you know the, I personally am not a massive fan of powerpoints I, I you know they should be there as a little bit of a backdrop I think it shouldn't take over your lessons but for students if they've you know want to go back to that powerpoint they could do if they wanted any resources that I've used in lessons or any extra reading or learning around that we created this massive database and actually that's what I did in the first lockdown that we'll get onto in a moment but that's what our online learning was was to make sure that our students had this tool that was free because as you quite rightly say knowledge being chargeable especially in schools you know, I don't believe in that. I don't think the school system necessarily believes in that either. But it was really good to have these students actually come and say, oh, yeah, thank you for that Mr. Berlin resource. Well, thank you for that Romeo resource. I used it last night and it helped me with my homework. So online learning has just completely taken off, I feel, because I always say to my students, if things like this was around, if YouTube was around, if Mr. Bruff was around, etc., and the thousands of great content creators for education we wouldn't ever have to leave the house. We wouldn't have to go to the library. You know, we wouldn't have to go to an internet cafe. We wouldn't have to download or, sorry, uh, buy all of these books because actually, instead, I always say to my students, instead of looking at Sneezing Pandas or, or, or Mo Salah's Greatest Hits on YouTube, you can actually go and watch YouTube videos and you can go and read them or you can go and watch them. I mean, how great is that? So learning especially since the dark days of covid has really blown up and seen a meteoric rise i mean when did you first realize the impact you could have on students learning by doing so through a zoom call or a teams meeting so i i was doing this way before everything happened and we got forced to do it by america so we were owned by an american company and obviously america is such a big country that people can't travel the same so they came up with these online learning solutions actually Way back in 2007, we were using a system called WebEx, which you probably are, have heard of or are familiar with. And, and we started teaching accountancy exams. So these are really difficult exams, 50% global pass rate. So only 50% pass, 50% fail. And we did a classroom version, a live online version, which is uh, like you Zoom, we called it live online, fancy name. And we did a distance learning version, which is you send a book, you read the book, you do the activities and you go to the exam. The thing with the highest global pass rate was the live online because people could go back, rewatch lectures, make an error on a mock exam, go back and understand what they got wrong. Uh, and it's that recap and the, the reflection and the ability to go back, the ability to make mistakes, the ability to learn when you're at your best that actually improved pass rates by about 15%. And again, it's going back to making those resources readily available. So it's not just a one-off lesson. They can go back and stop, pause, rewind at certain bits that they need. Exactly that. The way, um, the way I try and explain education and like learning to people is if you imagine a field like of wildflowers and there's 39 billion wildflowers because that's how many neurons you've got in your brain. 
And every time you learn something, you drop a very unique seed to a flower in that field. How do you get back to that flower? Well, you, you relearn, you re-go over, you recap, you reflect, you retest. If you don't go back, you, you'll never find out where that flower is again. So it's that constant reflection, that constant building the path back and forward to it, making it stronger, delving it into the mud so you know where it is. That is how you learn. And you need multiple resources to achieve that. So throughout the COVID years, and you know, we are rewinding a little yeah. bit, and when schools were closed and we experienced online learning for the first time, there were no doubt huge frustration from teachers in the first lockdown. I personally like had the, one of the most horrendous times of my life because my school personally, I don't think for the first lockdown, because it took everybody by surprise, wasn't set up for online learning when that idea of mass online learning was introduced. Sure, we could like say, go and watch this YouTube, YouTube video for your homework and then, you know, summarize it. But when we're talking about actually trying to teach students the content through online learning, as a head of department, I found it so difficult because I sort of took, and, and looking back really, I shouldn't have, but I took all of the English department, the weight of, of all of that department on me and thinking, right, I have to set the work then for seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 10, 11. So I would set the work, massive struggle, by the way, to differentiate there. So you're setting all of the same work for year seven. Some people are finding it too easy. Some people are finding it too difficult. Instructions and the guidance there. Some people can't work from home. With that then comes parental complaints who, you know, are probably experiencing what it's like to have a teenager with them 24-7 trying to do their work. Parents are trying to do their work as well. So they're frustrated because their child can't do anything. And it feels like it's just a never-ending cycle. Marketing and feedback was a real issue as well for, for me because students would, I don't know, do their English work because there was no set timetable. We did get it right in the second timetable. Uh, sorry, second lockdown. That I'll go into a bit more, but students were sending me work, at, you know, from eight in the morning till eleven o'clock at night, and I was continuously just going backwards and forwards to my laptop, trying to give as much feedback as possible. Because if I, I felt well, if I don't give feedback, then what's the point in them doing anything? And I don't want then for them not to do anything, and there'd be goodness how weeks lost of learning. So that was a massive learning curve for me. Um, we did get it right in the second lockdown and actually the second lockdown, if it can be enjoyable, it was enjoyable because I felt as if we as a school and as a department, we were actually teaching and doing the, doing the students justice. Do you think schools were set up well enough for the first lockdown? What was it like in your area? What impact do you think it had on, you know, the holy trinity of teachers, students and parents? So I work, so my, my primary is I work in professional education. So minor people that are working. You know, they've already got a job, they're working, yeah. their, their parents, majority of them. Um, so everyone going from classroom learning to online learning was, it was a switch and it was, it was immediate because we already had the solution built, tested and everything. And I think the difference for schools is they didn't, they, you suddenly just thrust into this trial and error. And you never feel anything's good enough because you don't get the feet. You haven't got the feedback loop built. Um, and to the feedback loop in terms of just, are you enjoying this? No one's going to be enjoying being stuck at home every day. So I, I think you were in an impossible position where you had to make the best guess with the best information you had. And it's a real shame because we saw 
from the professional side and the apprenticeship side, we saw no drop off um, apart from people's mental and, and health. That was the only drop off we really saw. But from a schooling perspective and, and all the parents I knew and stuff like that, they're trying to work it all out. And, and I'm, I've got to be honest, I was getting calls from parents that obviously know what I do and stuff like that going, what do I say to the school? And I was like, you've got to let them work it out. You've got to help them as opposed to just going, I want this, I want this, I want this, because everyone will want something slightly different for their special child. And I think you were in an impossible situation and that's probably due to lack of funding and lack of innovation opportunities before you got to that point, because things like MOOCs, mass open online courses, they've been live since 2012, but schools have avoided them for so long that you, you were caught on the hop really yeah see it certainly felt that way i mean this the second lockdown and you know you could see the rates rise again sort of the writing was on the wall we were far better equipped and actually during that second lockdown we delivered live lessons now i know that some schools if you were really fortunate some schools were on the ball and they delivered that first time and that's really something you know that that did change for us in that second lockdown and i thoroughly enjoyed teaching because i could you know i was finding myself planning an hour's lesson as i normally would but the first couple of lessons were actually taking 40 minutes because you, you don't have you know the time for the lesson changeovers you don't have time where you have to hand out pens you know and you have to do some nitty-gritty things and checking in on people etc because everyone just turns up you know in, into this room um and we were getting through so much content. And one of my most favorite ones actually was I taught a doll's house to a group of year 12 students for their A-level English literature. And uh, we actually did the play online. So we all had a part and that was an experience to actually have that. So there were lots of benefits I would say to online learning, but again, it's very much swings and roundabouts. Yes, you got through a lot of content, but actually how many students just had you on in the room because you can't you know you could see people live marking etc um is there anything that you feel i mean we, we are in education again there seems to be another crisis this is obviously called the concrete crisis where for those listening i'm sure you're all aware that more than 100 schools have been fully or partially closed due to the risks of crumbling concrete and some schools are going to have to deliver online learning so is there anything that you feel that if this school is fully equipped for online learning do you think there's anything there that would help teachers or tutors or parents or students as any quick wins to positively impact that person's education if they are unfortunate enough to be in that school where they are fully or partially closed so the really the best um advice i can ever give when you start to do online learning is, is if you're going to try and approach it approach it from the end goal backwards so if you're going to, for example, prep for a GCSE exam, start with the GCSE exam and go, right, well, how does it, what's the format of it? Is it a big question and then four little questions? Is it all these different scenarios? Is it multiple choice? It could be a whole range of things, but build that as your core and have that as your repetition throughout your study. So if you're doing something, make sure that you get people familiar with the process and that it's built in within the core of your process because the less of a surprise i have issues with exams generally anyway because i think it's a memory test to a degree it's not necessarily you know you're testing someone's ability to recall information at certain moments but the less fear people have of it 
the more successful they'll become. So I would build that in my course. So right today, we're going to look at a big question and we're going to take this, which is part of this syllabus and, and just have that focus so that they know how everything connects back to that closed goal. Um, and I think if people do that, people engage a lot better in it because there's not this mystery of he's just creating a lesson to just fill some time. Because if people don't understand the end goal, people disengage a lot quicker. Especially if you are not in that classroom environment as well and it is over a computer or over the internet where perhaps you don't have that person in front of you who is maybe giving you a little bit of a nudge, like a little bit of a directive. Uh, if you don't have that, then you have to be enthralled basically by staring at a, staring at a screen, unfortunately, for, you know, let's, let's say four to five hours a day. You mentioned earlier that online learning could help students with ADHD, dyslexia and supporting reasonable adjustments. Do you think if, you know, again, trying to link it to current events at the moment, you know, is there anything that you have found beneficial in terms of online learning to help students with any supportive or, or reasonable adjustments that, you know, if anybody is listening, thinking and worrying about their student who might perhaps not do as well because of X, Y and Z, is there any advice or, or tips that you could give, you know, to, to really invigorate that online learning? Uh, so there's there's two main ones. Um, one is start with a question and, and do an answer plan to that question. So instead of just thinking I'm going to learn about Napoleon, think in the exam there's a question which says I explain about Napoleon's battle here. So I'm going to start with that question, a past paper or something like that, and I'm going to learn based off that paper because I'm going to build a pathway. And that pathway is going to remind me of that story and i'm going to plan the answer to maximize the marks so if it's 20 marks for 20 points i'm going to build it backwards and that's how i'm going to learn i can see the pathway uh, and the other main tip i give is is something called study rotations um it's it's done by tony bazan i think it is who's memory master which is you study for 45 minutes you take a 15 minute break for your next study rotation of 45 minutes, the first 15 minutes is remembering what you studied in the last 45 minutes. Then you do 30 minutes of study, 15 minute break, and you work in study rotations with a clock and an alarm that goes off, especially if you've got ADHD and you, and you get hyper-focus because it pulls you out of that focus. By doing constant short study cycles and reflection, you're committing things to your medium-term memory, so you're more likely to recall them at the point. It's, it's that paths in, in the middle again you're more likely to recall them at points of examination or assessment or when a question comes up, you're able to build the story. So answer plans, so start with a, a, an exam question and build it and then study rotations, which is try to study in a consistent rotation so that you know what you're doing. And then if, for example, you get stuck on Panda videos for 45 minutes, well, you've lost a study rotation, but you can forgive yourself for it and you can jump back on because you know what the rotations are. You know how you should be studying. And it's especially useful, like you say, with the hyper focus of having that clock there with the alarm on and it snaps you out, you know, yeah. of that. And and as you quite rightly say, you know, these these students who would struggle outside of a classroom because there isn't anybody giving them a nudge, perhaps, you know, there's certainly things that teachers are, are maybe not aware of at the moment, but could easily be made aware of like what you've just said there. So, you know, th there are lots and lots of great things with online learning that you and I will obviously discuss. And, you know, since 
I don't know, maybe the past four or five years, I've, I've certainly seen a massive, massive positive shift in students actually wanting to learn online too. I mean, do you have any feedback at all from, from any of your you know, students as in what they particularly like about online learning? We've obviously mentioned the fact that they can, it's, a, it's a resource that they can go back to. Is there anything else do you think within online learning that actually really benefits the student as well? So the number one thing that most people say when, when I got it, because you've got to remember what we offer is we offer online to working professionals. So they're, they're working full-time, studying part-time. And the benefit of online learning is they can put the kids to bed. They can go for a meal. They, they're not beholden to a timetable of two evenings a week or something like that. They're able to build study around their lives. And that, that's really important thing because when people build a study schedule around their lives and you've got that flexibility of online learning that connects into that, you're not sacrificing to learn. You're just fitting it into your structure. And then when you do it 10 times in a row, it's a habit. You get good habits and stuff like that. So I, I, I think the main benefit we see in people is that they build it within their lives and it's a part of their lives. And when it's a part of their lives, they're not sacrificing not sacrificing weddings or birthdays or nights out or drinks or anything like that because they've got a structure that they're following and they know, right, Wednesday nights is study night. So that's that's the main thing I'm, I'm seeing with people is just that ability to live their life without the pressure of going, I have this really big thing that I've got to do and I don't know how much time I've got to commit to it hanging over me. Um, and it, it's a big thing for people, I think, because people want to have it all nowadays and rightly so yeah and i think what i found as well when we did come out out of the lockdowns and hopefully what people will find when they are back in schools after the concrete crisis as well is lots of good feedback was given um to you know to teachers within my department and what students actually really enjoyed was they they didn't have the anxiety about walking in crowded corridors or they didn't have the anxiety about going to busy places in the dining hall. They didn't have anxiety about maybe someone in the class not being very nice to them. And they came back and said, I really enjoyed online learning because I could just focus on the lessons. And I think that perhaps that sometimes gets lost as well. There is and are so many positives with within online learning that actually not the worst thing in the world to set your resources if you are teachers to online learning to obviously make sure that your students do have access to online learning because there are many students in the country who don't have internet access they don't have a laptop at home some people you know don't have phones that with 3g that they could go on so if you are setting online resources as i'm sure all of you are do make sure that students can obviously access these resources because as james has quite rightly said the resources that are made available to them are absolutely fantastic. So please do make sure that they can access them. It's time for a fresh start to language learning. Pearson Edexcel student-centred French, German and Spanish 2024 GCSEs cater to the needs of all learners, regardless of their background, ability or reason for studying. Rooted in learned language knowledge, their assessments are transparent and accessible, allowing all students to showcase their language skills. Through inclusive and relatable content, the new Pearson Edexcel MFL GCSEs build a shared cultural capital that helps students develop an understanding of and appreciation for the wider world. Find out more at go.pearson.com forward slash MFL GCSE 24.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. A wide range of media outlets have covered the ongoing issue of reinforced autoclaved aerated concrete, or rack, and its use in buildings, including schools, leading to concerns around safety. The BBC reports that buildings at 52 schools in England were at risk of sudden collapse due to dangerous concrete. While safety measures have since been put in place at these schools, because the situation was deemed critical, more than 100 others have also now been told to close areas with the concrete. These buildings were previously thought to be at less risk. The new guidance follows the collapse of a beam that was thought to be safe. Head teachers are now making alternative plans just days before the start of the new academic year. Some pupils have been told they will be learning remotely, whilst others are being housed in temporary classrooms or even at other schools. The total number of confirmed schools affected in England is 156. The news has since triggered concerns in all three of the home nations. The Scottish Government said it was trying to establish how many schools contain rack whilst in Wales investigations continue, although there have been no reports at present. The Northern Ireland DV said schools were being checked as a matter of urgency. Ministers in England have been facing media and have struggled to keep up with the range of questions being asked, including how fixing the issues caused by RAC will be paid for. Opposition MPs have pointed out that schools themselves already have issues with funding and that local authorities have seen cuts in recent years, so finances may not be there at a local level. The DfE has also faced criticism for not publishing a list of schools affected, although it defended its actions, saying parents should hear direct from the school itself, at least at first. A school in Southend, which caters for pupils with physical and learning difficulties, has contacted the BBC to outline the significant challenges it is facing, as the closure of its main building means staff and pupils cannot access essential special equipment. Whatever the outcome, it is certain that, for some pupils, this is the start of yet another unusual school year. Away from issues with buildings, Schools Week reports on plans to ensure all schools in England hold electronic registers which the Education Secretary will have direct access to. However, proposals to introduce thresholds at which penalty notices must be considered for unauthorised absences are paused. They were part of the currently shelved New Schools Bill. New rules are not expected to come into force until 2024 but it has been made clear that ministers see attendance as an area which must improve. More than half of parents who responded to the consultation on the plans for e-registers disagreed due to the possible punitive use of the data collected. Officials said it would be used to enable better early intervention. 92% of local authority workers and 85% of school staff who responded support the plan. The DfE will move forward with changes to simplify recording of attendance or absence. In total, 22.3% of pupils miss more than one in 10 2022-2023 academic year. This is compared to 22.5% in the year 21-22, despite significant government intervention. Prior to the pandemic, these rates sat between 10 and 30%. The TES reports that a group of watchdogs, including Ofsted, 
are jointly to carry out targeted inspections in schools where there is a risk of pupils to serious violence or exploitation. The inspections will happen in six unnamed local authorities and examine how police, social services and health services tackle serious youth violence. The focus will be on multi-agency interventions and could include interventions in schools, parks, shopping centres or specific streets where young people may be at risk. The team will include representatives from Ofsted, the Care Quality Commission, HMI of Constabulary, HMI of Probation Services and each team will be led by an Ofsted Health and Social Care Inspector. Where a school is involved, they will be asked to show they have effective systems to identify children at risk of or subject to serious youth violence and children who are missing from school. The inspections will end in May next year. Full details of the report can be found on TES online. Finally, The Guardian reports that LEGO is to begin selling bricks coded with Braille to help blind and partially sighted children learn to read the touch-based alphabet. Danish makers of the bricks have made specialist versions tested and developed by blind organisations across the globe. The bricks have been sent to a selection of schools free of charge since 2020, but now they will be available more widely. LEGO hopes the initiative will help parents, siblings and others share in learning Braille and to encourage play interactions between sighted children and visually impaired friends. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. As an English teacher in what was perhaps my fourth year of teaching, you know, I've just found my feet, I've managed to write schemes of learning, etc, etc. And, you know, being in my fourth year uh, on not much as a salary, as was the way I registered on a tutoring website and found myself going around people's houses, students' houses, and even football club boardrooms, in fact, to tutor students uh, face to face who wish to gain an English GCSE or A-level. And it's one of those, it's a cash in hand job, shadow writing, live modelling, brainstorming, sitting opposite one or two or three or four actually honing in on you know that extracurricular stuff that you know you are basically employed by them by their parents or as in the case by the football club to you know get these students through their qualifications however covid changed all of that and now through the sheer joy of teaching if i'm honest rather than the money i still do tutoring but all of my tutoring is done online and it's a hugely positive experience personally as neither I nor my student has to leave comfort of our own rooms we don't have to travel to each other's houses etc so it's it is literally you know that one hour of pure content I do it because I love teaching my subject of English do you think there has been a positive shift in online in that circumstance or could there be any drawbacks to just solely doing that online learning approach uh, in terms of like the tutoring? There's a couple of things going on at the moment. Um, and one is uh, cheating and plagiarisms on, on the rise quite significantly in, in assessment-based qualifications. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So what we're seeing is, I mean, there's almost a panel every week in some of these qualifications where, People are, instead of offering tutoring support for, let's say you might say, I'll, I'll give you tutoring support for £100. Someone's saying, I will write your assessment for you for £100 and you can just do carry on with your life. And more and more people are taking up that option. 
so what I think the drawback we're seeing with the online approach is actually you've got someone being tempted to find the path of least resistance and not learn themselves. And I think that's probably the biggest drawback of tutoring because there, there isn't a, a body that regulates it and, 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 and accreditation for people to be, you know, an online coach and mentor. I think it's, I think it's a real problem and either things will go back to examinations or we'll need to do like a, a an interview assessment with people to make sure that they know and understand what they're learning. And I suppose as well, the drawback of uh, online learning is I might ask, you know, I might ask a question about how Macbeth is presented or the change in Macbeth is presented. And if I'm not there, I don't know what they're looking on their second screen. They could very quickly be typing that into chat, GTP, etc. And uh, they could be finding those answers. So I might be like, oh, yeah, this is brilliant. They know everything they're doing. I feed that back to the parents. There's no actual way of studying these students, but also, you know, seeing what is there and what they are looking at as well because I do you know especially with my year 11 tutors that I have I do want them to find out the answers for themselves I don't think that tutoring should be I'm giving you all the answers you listen to me that isn't how resilience is is built and that isn't how you know learning outside the classroom is built so I try to do that as often as possible what I used to do I used to have lots of different revision books and revision guides I used to ask them to bring their English books home when they could and we used to work through their notes and they would unpick and find out those answers so you know the internet is an absolutely wonderful resource isn't it it's it's just an absolute but again that's the caveat is it has to be used correctly um again the drawback i suppose of this online learning approach one of them could be that i mentioned you know there are groups of tutoring that you don't actually have that social aspect it does feel i don't know how you feel obviously but it does sometimes feel that when you're across a computer screen, you don't have that much of a connection as you do when you're sitting actually across a table with somebody as well. So again, you know, there are many benefits for online learning. There could be a couple of drawbacks too. Would you agree? Uh, completely. And I think socialization, especially at the school level is, is critical. Um, I see so many people just almost pull themselves away because it's easier because they know how to learn i mean if, if you think about it what learning is is it's finding the solution to a problem and that problem is somewhere you've just got to find it when it comes to human interaction building connection building rapport discussions peer-to-peer -peer learning that's that's a big drop off in online by the way um you don't get the same peer-to-peer -peer learning and other people explaining answers and stuff and, and there's great things on google sheets where people can collaborate together but the, the sheer if you think if you think learning's about preparing you for whatever you want to do in the workplace whether it be it, do, it doesn't matter what you're doing learning is a process of finding an answer to a solution which is all we ever do in work part of that solution to an answer is people and working with people and understanding people in their different ranges of emotion and situation and you don't get that from online learning and this is what i wanted to ask you really is what because we are trying to be positive and help people who use online learning as a resource, because that's what we're all about here at Teachers Talk Radio is trying to find, you know, advice and help and tips, etc. Can you have though, to build in that socialize, like that socializing skill that might might be lapsing if we are groups of online learning? You mentioned Google Sheets. Um, is there anything 
that, that you personally have seen work well or heard about that might work well to actually bring students together and harmonize whilst they're in an online learning system? Um, we did a great thing, which was called coffee and cake. Um, and this wasn't a learning activity. This was just uh, running a business, uh, an, an education business where we had a lot of people that felt really disconnected from each other and, and didn't know what anyone did and wanted to know what everyone was doing in their jobs and wanted to know what's going on and stuff like that. So we built in time called coffee and cake where we would invite people in and, you know, you could come in, you could join Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday session. So you'd be with the same group of people and you would just have a coffee and a chat and any senior leaders would be pulled out of the meeting. Um, there would be a facilitator. It would be one of their peers, but we didn't want it to feel like people were being listening over to them and stuff like that so that they could have that. I'm not happy about this type of chat, a bit like an employee forum and just letting people be together. So if it was a, let's say it was a, a school level, you would probably have, a prefect or something like that being the student facilitator and trying to get a conversation going and making people feel comfortable. I would give it a solid five out of 10 compared to human interaction, but it was a five out of 10 in a time of COVID when we launched it. And it seems to have carried on that actually gave people some, it's not the perfect solution. You can't body language, face-to-face -face reaction, how you do, you can't replicate that, but it was better than nothing. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, as I mentioned earlier, last week I had uh, Lloyd on who spoke about his ITT year and he actually completed his uh, his first year as a, as a trainee teacher during COVID. And he said that he, he didn't actually meet the people who he was with on the course until May. And for me, you know, we spoke about this last week, so please do go back and re-listen to it because it's a really good conversation. To me, that blew my mind because, as I mentioned, one of the greatest things about my teacher training is actually we're all stuck together as trainee teachers. And I used to go to the University of Northampton to complete my PGCE uh, every Monday. And that was so powerful for me to actually, like you've just said, interact with people who are in the same boat with you, not online, face-to-face, -face, that sharing of experiences. So I suppose things like what you have mentioned, that, that coffee and cake and... As head, you know, head of department, I made sure that we still had every single Friday before school online, as we would do in a briefing, that we all had a briefing just to check in and make sure everyone's okay. And yeah, it is a solid five out of 10, but it's still better than nothing. It's just that constant reassurance and constant checking that people are okay. So if you are, you know, looking at online learning, do please think about your staff as well and your, and your teaching body because they need checking in on too. Um, I mentioned previously, James, that you are experienced in preparing students. Are there any tips or advice that you could share with our listeners which may have an, you know, a positive impact on their students when it comes to assessment preparation, either in the classroom or online? The, uh, this, this is a general piece of advice, whether you're, whether you're a teacher, a parent, a student, or anything like that. Um, it, there was a bit of research that was done and it was a class They were split into two groups and they learned basically the, the Doppler effect. One group was asked to learn it for a test. The other group was taught to teach it to the other group of students. And then they were both given the same test. And the people who prepared to teach it outperformed the people that were just there to learn it. And the reason is when you prepare to teach something, you build a pathway to explain it to somebody else. So if at all possible, Every night, sit down with someone and go, let me tell you about what I've learned today. Or if, if, so, if you've got 
a child, tell me about what, teach me what you've learned today. You don't need to know the answer as a parent. You just need to be open to be taught. And what you are doing is allowing your child to build that pathway to explain it and understand it because you can receive information. And a lot of the time you will put out that information until you hit the exam hall. And actually giving people that ability to put out that information in a conversation, in a chat, will help them organize their structured thoughts, how it all comes together, and they will be infinitely more successful. 15% that Doppler effect research had just because they prepared to teach it. So they understood it to a level where they could teach somebody else. So that's my biggest tip. And it's that reinforcement of learning as well. You know, if they if they can speak about what they've learned, then they have learned something because they can recall that. And that's why in education, there are lots and lots of recall and mastery learning strategies out there because if students can recycle that information, whether that's an hour or two later or a day or two later in that is quite powerful right well, who can remember everything last lesson that i spoke to you about for like an hour and you all had to sit and listen hopefully it's not as as drab as that but then if students can recall that then that's great and if they can't recall it they need reminding because it's information that you are giving them that has a purpose behind it so that recall and mastery learning is absolutely crucial what do you think the future holds then for online learning for me it's already surpassed anything i personally could ever think of i would never have imagined five years ago that i would be able to de deliver a lesson that everyone can see all of my resources to 30 to 60 to 120 students through a computer screen do you think there's a plateau on the horizon or is online education just getting started Oh, it's just getting started. I mean, you're talking about a delivery of something that's been going since about 2012, like MOOCs have been to thousands of people at, at the same time and stuff like that. But if, if we start to move to where it's going now, AI tutors, chatbot tutors, um, mastery of knowledge tutors. So for example, I've got about 200 hours of, of videos and I can get an AI to scrape every video. So if anyone asks a question, it can find the right solution. It can also find the solution in other languages. So if English is someone's second language and they're trying to work out how to say it in English, they can actually type it in in their language and it'll find the solution and the clip from the video and give it to them. Things like augmented reality, you know, like the new um, eye headset. Well, you could set exams in there because you can track people's eyes so you can't cheat. So you could do an examination in your own home knowing that you're not going to cheat because they can track your keyboard, they can track your eyes and they can put the questions on the screen. You can have open book exams for people with ADHD, dyslexia. You can change the colors of screens like augmented reality type examinations is, is going to be huge in the future. So just a couple of examples of things that are re really going to get quite exciting in terms of finding the right information because you as a tutor like you did you built a massive repository for learners now imagine that they could just ask questions to that repository and they would be given solutions and answers from everything you've handpicked for them oh that would be brilliant because then they're not wasting time trying to find something and these are all yeah. the things that are coming and it's so exciting in terms of that just in time learning so that you're hitting things at your absolute peak of interest at your peak of learning at your peak of ability and there's so many, yeah, there's so much good stuff coming. Um, and it's just about, I guess, it's, it's about it being available to the masses. 
uh, for it to get down into the school level. And it takes things like these big, you know, corporate companies that do their training to find these right solutions. But I think the future of examinations, that's the next thing that's going to change. Assessments, examinations, that's a big change because AI is a massive risk um, to people's actual learning. So that is going to be the next evolution, revolution before we move to the sort of augmented reality type exams and stuff. A, a quick segue i suppose into what you just said about uh, the translation stuff so i had a student who joined uh, me in my in my school in december and she came from egypt uh, but before that uh, portugal she only spoke portuguese and she joined us in year 11 because her parents wanted to come over to england to provide a better education and this student i, I i'm not even exaggerating could not speak or understand one word of English. And myself and my senior tutor, who who is a, a here, if you like, we have a vertical tutoring system, so that's why they're called a senior tutor, but essentially the head of pastoral in my house. Um, we always obviously have introductory meetings with, with students and parents, and we turned up and, you know, I, nobody could understand what people are saying. And my senior tutor just got his iPhone out translation app spoke into you know spoke into his into his phone and said hello my name is so and so uh, i'm your senior tutor um is there anything that we need to to know or to understand before we obviously start going and it all translated it for her and that already and i know we're talking about online education that's still an online app that's so useful for students and so useful for teachers and and this girl i'm so so proud of her because she she did well in her GCSEs so well in fact that she is now sitting A levels and she couldn't even speak a jot of English in December. Or AI and if it wasn't for online education, yeah, I mean it is like I would have loved for her to even have, if she would have had another year, you know, here she would have absolutely flown in her GCSEs because she was determined and motivated. But you know that platform of online learning for her was that we could give her the resources, we could give her a laptop and she could translate everything that was on that, you know, resource into Portuguese. And then she's also learning, you know, a curriculum as well as learning the language of English. Now she can speak so well. And I, I don't think I could speak Portuguese in six months the way that she's just picked up English and spoke, spoken it for six months, plus also doing. So I, you know, I'm absolutely all for these online educations, AI, etc., because it is when it's done correctly, such an incredible, incredible resource. Um, I've got a couple of quick fire questions. I like doing this because it's just me being nosy, really, and, and everyone else gets to know what uh, what my guests' personalities are like. So, um, quick fire questions. Favorite book? Thirteen and a Half Lives of Captain Bluebird. Okay. Fantastic. Favourite subject? You said that you didn't really like oh, or didn't get on at school, but maths. Maths is right or wrong. It's, it's easy. It's only got to be proven right in its own ecosystem. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, best learning technique then? Any advice or techniques that you give to anybody who's just delving into online learning? What technique or learning technique would you say, give this a go? Failure. Do something wrong and get comfortable with it. That, that's the biggest learning technique I've, I've ever learned, uh, which is when you make something wrong, it gets burnt into your memory faster than mm. any form of getting it right does. So try, keep doing stuff until you get it wrong. I know that's not necessarily yeah, a technique, but it, it works. 
or, or just or, I suppose the technique is like allowing people to actually feel safe when they get things wrong because we've all been in classrooms where nobody wants to put their hand up to a difficult question because they might get it wrong and they might get laughed at but as you've said the right answer burns in your brain afterwards no, nothing nothing burns in your brain quicker than having a bright red face and getting something completely wrong. I'm sorry. Yeah, you would always remember it next time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and also, you know, if, if if you don't have a go, then how are you going to know how much progress you're making to? Best advice you've ever been given? Um, the only wrong decision is no decision. Nice, perfect. And final piece of advice to all teachers and tutors who are online education and listening to this radio show. Don't pick the, the path of resistance. Um, pick the innovation because what you want to do is you want to inspire someone to make something better than what you can. And the only way we can really improve online education is by trying things and failing. So don't just build PowerPoints and record videos do other things, build AI, build chatbots, build things, break things, make things not work. Be comfortable in getting things wrong because it will inspire someone to build something better. Thank you for joining me today on this edition of The Late Late Show. As a friend, it's always great to catch up with you. I'm sure we'll be in the WhatsApp very, very soon, talking all things Liverpool. And uh, I wanted to thank you so much for your time today and all the awareness, opinion and advice you've brought to this radio show. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Um, and I wish you nothing but the best uh, in this upcoming year and, and in your career as well. Thank you, Richie. Thank you very much, everybody. Join me next week on The Late Late Show, where I'll be joined by James Bruce, an English and film teacher, where we'll be discussing the impact of films in the curriculum and how beneficial they can be in teaching and learning. Thank you all for listening, either live or as a podcast on Teachers Talk Radio, and I look forward to Now, stay safe, take care, and see you soon. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.